Book Seven, Chapter Thirteen of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney. Chapter Thirteen. Live and Learn. Before the Cleves party assembled to breakfast after the various arrangements made for Southampton, Mr. Dubster arrived and demanded an interview with Sir Hugh, who, attending him to the drawing-room, asked his pleasure. "'Why have you not read the young gentleman's letter, sir?' cried he, surprised. "'Because he said he'd put it all down as a pike staff to save time.' Sir Hugh had not heard of it why then if you please sir we'll go and ask that gentlewoman what she's done with it she might as well have shewed it after the young gentleman's taking the trouble to write it to her but she is none of the good naturedest i take it repairing then to miss margland after his usual the company i ask pardon ma'am he cried but what's the reason of you keeping the young gentleman's letter to yourself, which was writ o' purpose to let the old gentleman know what I come for? Because I never trouble myself with anything that's impertinent, she haughtily answered, though in fact, when the family had retired, she had stolen downstairs and read the letter, which contained a warm recommendation of Mr. Dubster to her favour, with abundant flippant offers to promote her own interest for so desirable a match should camilla prove blind to its advantages this she had then burnt with a determination never to acknowledge her condescensions in opening it the repeated calls of mr dubster procuring no further satisfaction why then i don't see he said but what i'm as bad off as if the young gentleman had not writ the letter for i've got to speak for myself at last Taking Sir Hugh then by a button of his coat, he decided he would go back with him to the other parlour, and there, with much circumlocution and unqualified declarations of his having given over all thoughts of further marrying, till the young gentleman over-persuaded him of his being particular agreeable to the young lady, he solemnly proposed himself for Miss Camilla Tyrold. Sir Hugh, who perceived in this address nothing that was ridiculous, was somewhat drawn from reflecting on his own disappointment by the pity conceived for this hopeless suitor to whom with equal circumlocution of concern he communicated that his niece was on the point of marriage with a neighbour i know that replied mr dubster nodding sagaciously the young gentleman having told me of the young baronet but he said it was all against her will being only your over-teasing and the like the lord be good unto me exclaimed the baronet holding up his hands if i don't think all the young boys have a mind to drive me out of my wits one after the other hurrying then back to the breakfast parlour and to camilla come hither my dear he cried for here's a gentleman come to make his addresses to you that won't take an answer every serious thought and every melancholy apprehension in camilla gave place at this speech to the ludicrous image of such an admirer as mr dubster foisted upon her by the ridiculous machinations of lionel she took sir hugh by the hand and drawing him away to the most distant window said in a low voice my dear uncle this is a mere trick of lionel 
the person you see here is i believe a tinker a tinker repeated sir hugh quite loud in defiance of the signs and hists hists of camilla good luck that's a person i should never have thought of then walking up to mr dubster who was taking into his hands all the ornaments from the chimney-piece one by one to examine sir he said you may be a very good sort of man and i don't doubt but you are for proper respect for every trade in its way but in point of marrying my niece it's a thing i must beg you to put out of your head it not being a proper subject to talk of to a young lady from a person in that line very well sir answered mr dubster stiffly and pouting it's not of much consequence don't make yourself there's nothing in what i was going to propose but what was quite genteel i'd scorn to address a lady else she'd have a good five hundred a year in case of outliving me good luck five hundred a year who'd have thought of such a thing by the tinkering business the what business did you say sir cried mr dubster strutting up to the baronet with a solemn frown the tinkering business my good friend aren't you a tinker sir cried mr dubster swelling i did not think when coming to make such a handsome offer of being affronted at such a rate as this not that i mind it it's not worth fretting about however as to a tinker i'm no more a tinker than yourself whatever put it in your head good luck my dear cried the baronet to camilla the gentleman quite denies it camilla though unable to refrain from laughing confessed she had received the information from mrs arbury at the northwick breakfast who she now supposed had said it in random sport sir hugh cordially begged his pardon and asked him to take a seat at the breakfast-table to soften the undesigned offence a note now arrived from mr tyrold to the baronet it contained his consent to return with lavinia to cleves and his ready acquiescence in the little excursion to southampton since miss margland would be superintendent of the party and since he added they will have another guardian to whom already i consign my camilla and upon her account my dear eugenia also with the same fearless confidence i should feel in seeing them again under the maternal wing sir hugh who always read his letters aloud said when he had done see what it is to be a good boy my brother looks upon young mr edgar as these young girls husband already that is a one of them by which means the other becomes his sister which i am sure is a trouble he won't mind except as a pleasure camilla's distress at this speech passed unnoticed from the abrupt entrance of lindmere giving orders aloud to his servant to get ready for southampton inflamed with triumph in his recent success in baffling his uncle that youth was in the most turbulent spirits and fixed a resolution either to lord it over the whole house or regain at once his liberty for returning to the continent forcing a chair between sir hugh and camilla he seized rapidly whatever looked most inviting from every plate on the table to place upon his own murmuring the whole time against the horses declaring the stud the most wretched he had ever seen and protesting the old groom must be turned away without loss of time what jacob cried the baronet why nephew he has lived with me from a boy and now he's grown old i'd sooner rub down every horse with my own hand than part with him 
he must certainly go sir there's no keeping him i may be tempted else to knock his brains out some day besides i have a very good fellow i can recommend to you of my own clermont i've no doubt of his being a good fellow which i'm very glad of but as to your always knocking out the brains of my servants it's a thing i must beg you not to talk of any more being against the law besides which it don't sound very kind of you considering their having done you no harm never having seen your face as one may say except just to wait upon you which can hardly be reckoned a bad office besides a servant's being a man as well as you whether homer and horace tell you so or no to see sir hugh displeased was a sight new to the whole house camilla and eugenia mutually pained for him endeavoured by various little kind offices to divert his attention but indiana thought his displeasure proved her brother to be a wit and clermont rose in spirits and in insolence upon the same idea too shallow to know that of all the qualities with which the perversity of human nature is gifted and power which is the most common to attain and the most easy to practise is the art of provoking jacob now appearing linmer ordered some shrimps there were none there's nothing to be had tis a wretched county this you'll get nice shrimps at southampton sir by what i hear said mr dubster tom hicks says he has been sick with em many a day he's eat such a heap they gets em by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds at a time pray nephew how long shall you stay because of my niece's coming back at the same time a fortnight's enough to tire me anywhere sir pray what do you all do with yourselves here after breakfast what's your mode mode nephew we've got no particular mode that ever i heard of however among so many of us i think it's a little hard if you can find nothing to say to us all in a manner your relations too we take no notice of relations now sir that's out i'm sorry for it nephew for a relation's a relation whether you take notice of him or not and there's never an ode in virgil will tell you to the contrary as i believe a short silence now ensued which was broken by a sigh from sir hugh who ejaculated to himself though aloud i can't but think what my poor friend westwin will do if his sons come home in this manner caring for nobody but an oyster or a shrimp unless it's a newspaper and what should a man care for else my good old friend in a desert place such as this good old friend repeated the baronet to be sure i'm not very young however as to that but you mean no harm i know for which reason i can't be so ill-natured as to take it ill however if poor westwin is served in this way he's my dearest friend that i've got out of us all here of my own kin and he's got only one son and he sent him to foreign parts only for cheapness and if he should happen to like nothing he can get at home it won't answer much in saving to send out for things all day long oh don't be troubled sir westwind's but a poor creature he'll take up with anything he lived within his allowance the whole time a mighty poor creature i'm glad of it glad of it indeed cried sir hugh with involuntary eagerness 
I should have been sorry if my poor good old friend had had such disappointment. Upon my honor, cried Lindmer, piqued, the quas of the present season are beyond what a man could have hoped to see. Quas? What's quas, nephew? Why, it's a thing there's no explaining to you, sort of gentleman, and sometimes we say quiz, my good old sir. Sir Hugh now, for almost the first time in his life, felt seriously affronted. His utmost lenity could not palliate the willful disrespect of his language, and with a look of grave displeasure he answered, Really, nephew, I can't but say I think you've got rather a particular odd way of speaking to persons. As to talking so much about people's being old, you do well to consider that's no fault in anybody except one's years, which is what we can't be said to help. You discount too much upon words, sir. We have left off now, using them with such prodigious precision. It's quite over, sir. Oh, my dear Clermont, cried Sir Hugh, losing his short movement of anger in a more tender sensation of concern. How it goes to my heart to see you turn out such a jackanapes. Linmere, resentfully hanging back, said no more and Mr. Dubster, having drunk seven dishes of tea, with a long apology between each for the trouble, gladly seized the moment of pause to ask Camilla when she had heard from their friend Mrs. Mitten, adding, I should have brought you a letter from her, ma'am, myself, but that I was rather out of sorts with her for happening to meet her, the day as you went walking on them pantils, with some of her quality binding, when I was not dressed out quite in my best becomes, she made as if she did not know me. Not as it signifies, it's pretty much of a muchness to me. I remember her another sort of person to what she looks now, before I was a gentleman myself. Why, pray, what was you then, sir? cried Sir Hugh, with great simplicity. As to that, sir, there's no need to say whether I was one thing I know of. I'm not in the least ashamed of what I was. Sir Hugh, seeing him offended, was beginning an apology, but interrupting him, No, sir, he said, there's no need to say nothing about it. It's not a thing to take much to heart. I've been defamed often enough. I hope to be above minding it. Only just this one thing, sir. I beg I may have the favour to be introduced to that lady as had the obligedness to call me a tinker, when I never was no such thing. Breakfast now being done, the ladies retired to prepare for their journey. Well, cried Mr. Dubster, looking after Eugenia, that little lady will make no great figure at such a place as Southton. I would not have her look out for a husband there. She'd have been just the thing for me, cried Lindmer, haughtily rising, and conceitedly parading his fine form up and down the room, his eyes catching it from looking-glass to looking-glass, by every possible contrivance. Just the thing, matched to perfection. Lord, help me, if I don't find myself in the dark about everything, cried Sir Hugh. Who'd have thought of you, scholars, thinking so much of beauty? I should be glad to know what your classics say to that point. Faith, my good sir, I never trouble myself to ask. From the time we begin our tours, we wipe away all that stuff as fast as possible from our thoughts. 
why pray nephew what harm could it do to your tours we want room sir room in the pericranium as soon as we begin to travel we give up everything to taste and then we want clear heads clear heads sir for pictures statues busts relievers basso-relievers tablets monuments mausoleums if you go on at that rate nephew interrupted sir hugh holding his ears you'll put my poor head quite into a whirligig and it's none of the deepest already lord help me Linmere now without ceremony made off and mr dubster left alone with the baronet said they might as well proceed to business so pray sir if i may make bold in the case we come to right understanding about the young lady what do you propose to give her down sir hugh staring inquired what he meant why i mean sir what shall you give her at the first i know she's to have it all at your demise but that ain't the bird in the hand now when once i know that i can make my offers which shall be handsome or not according and that's but fair so how much can you part with sir not a guinea cried sir hugh with some emotion i can't give her anything mr edgar knows that that's hard indeed sir what nothing for a setting out and pray sir what may the sum total be upon your demise not a penny cried sir hugh with still more agitation don't you know i've disinherited her disinherited her why this is bad news enough and pray sir what for nothing she never offended me in thought word nor deed well that's odd enough and when did you do it sir the very week she was nine years old poor thing which i shall never forget as long as i live being my worst action well this is particular enough and young squire tyrrell's never heard a word of it which is somewhat a wonder too not heard of it why the whole family know it i've settled everything i was worth in the world upon her younger sister that you saw sitting by her well if tom hicks did not as good as tell me so ever so long ago though the young squire said it was all to the contrary what for i don't know unless to take me in but he won't find that quite so easy asking his pardon matrimony's a good thing enough when it's to help a man forward but a person must be a fool indeed to put himself out of his way for nothing he then formally wished the baronet a good day and hastened from the house puffed up with vain glory at his own sagacious precautions which had thus happily saved him from being tricked into unprofitable wedlock mrs burlington now arrived and as camilla was ready though trembling doubtful apprehensive of the step she was taking declined alighting a general meeting was to take place at the inn and the baronet putting a twenty-pound note into her hand with the most tender blessings parted with his darling niece and then surprised at not seeing edgar to breakfast sent his butler to tell him the history of the excursion linmere was already set off on horseback and the party consisted of dr orkborn miss margland indiana and eugenia followed two hours after in the coach of the baronet which drove from the park 
as the chaise entered it with mr tyrold and lavinia to supply their places End of chapter 13 read by Lars Rolander